we find ourselves in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 17 through 21. And so let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for our, our family and our children. And we pray that you bless them, Lord. Uh, they bring so much joy and love to our hearts. And uh, as we turn to uh, John's little epistle, he, he calls his parishioners his beloved. He calls them his, his little children out of, uh, out of affection uh, towards them. And I pray, Lord, that as we read his letter to his, his beloved children, that we could glean uh, truth and find courage for our walk with Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a look at uh, verse 17. Uh, John writes this, he says, By this is love uh, perfected. And we know from our, our previous studies, we know that this word for per perfected means to make complete. It means to, to finish the work. But it also, in the range of meanings for this word, it also can be used to, uh, to define maturity. And if we, if we use maturity in here, it really gets at, say, the context of what the apostle is trying to encourage uh, his beloved saints with. So we could read it this way. It says, by this is love made mature uh, within us. And the maturity that love brings in the context of our relationship with the Lord, the, the context of mature love brings a confidence within us. And so mature love, mature love brings a assurance and a confidence uh, about, our, uh, about our relationship with the Lord. And the particular confidence it brings in this verse is, is about the day of judgment uh, that's approaching. And we all know that we're going to stand before the Lord at some point, some of us sooner than later, and, but we're all going to get there at some point where we have to give an account. And what John is concerned about is that there's, a, that there's a lack of courage. There's a lack of confidence uh, in these believers' heart. And what he's going to do is use uh, good doctrine, and what John would say is abiding in the word, to bring about uh, this courage that mature love looks like. And so he says that by this, by this is uh, love matured with us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. And here's the key to having this confidence. And I would say that this verse is uh, pivotal in whether believers grow up to be strong and secure in the Lord or whether they kind of wander through their relationship with the Lord always doubting, always doubting, am I good enough? Am have I performed well enough for the Lord? And what John wants to do is to dispel all of that and put these believers on a secure path to have a confidence and courage in the Lord. And when we move to application in this one verse, the same things that apply to believers apply to how we raise up our children, about how we instill confidence and courage in our children. Take a look at the last phrase. It's not very poetic, uh, this last part of verse 17, but
but it pro provides the key to unlock a life of confidence and joy and security in the Lord. Says, John says this, by this is love matured with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, and, and the personal pronoun points to Jesus, so because as Jesus is, so also are we in the world. Now, how can that be true? Because Jesus is sinless, how can we be like him in the world? And here's the key that unlocks it, is that Jesus was sinless, and as we, upon salvation, what happens when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit indwells us, and we experience regeneration, in other words, that we're born again, we're saved, what happens upon salvation is that there's a transaction that happens spiritually, is that, that our sin is imputed, okay? Our sin is given, our sin is paid by Jesus. And, and at the same time, Jesus' righteousness, his, his right standing before God, is imputed to us and accounted to our account. And see, when that happens, we stand, when the Father looks at us, he doesn't see our sin because it's been imputed or credited to Jesus because that's why he died on the cross to take away our sins. When the Father looks at us, all he sees is the righteousness and the purity of Jesus Christ. And so we live from a place of acceptance. We live from a place of being loved. We live from a place of being adopted and we live from a place of security. And as John says, by this, by this is love matured in us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment, knowing that we will never face the wrath of God because Jesus has paid the price for that. Now, when we look at raising up our children, when we give unconditional love to our children, when we relate to our children based upon not their performance, but by the fact that we as their parents, or we as their grandparents, or uncles or aunts, are significant people in their life. When we love a child unconditionally, completely, what happens in that child's life is they live, they live life from a position of confidence, knowing that they have been loved regardless of them, regardless of of this situation in their heart and their life. Now, are, the, are, our children, are our children perfect? Absolutely not. Are our grandchildren perfect? Absolutely yes. And we're praying for the parents not to mess them up. <laughs> our grandchildren are imperfect too. But the heart of a parent and, and the heart of a grandparent is to really to love uh, those kiddos with an unconditional an unconditional love so they understand the love of the Father through the Son indwelt by the Holy Spirit that they approach God from the position of one being being forgiven uh, one being accepted 
and that empowers children, and it also empowers and changes adults from being performance-based towards the Lord to being, to being loved and knowing that you're adopted and accepted because of what Christ has done and, and not what you've done. And so this last phrase, because as he is, so also are we in this world, becomes the pivotal part of, in the key that unlocks the road or the path towards confidence and courage and maturation in the Lord. John writes this. He says, and now uh, little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him pur purifies himself as he is pure. And because we have that imputed righteousness, and we didn't have to earn it, but it was gifted to us because God so loved the world, we have no shame. And, and shame is what? Shame is we're no good. We're no good inside. And what the gospel does is it liberates from shame and gives us a new identity. And that new identity is who we are in Jesus Christ. And when we relate to our, our young people and we unconditionally love them, we recognize that they're not perfect. But we recognize that the basis and the foundation for maturation and maturity in love is coming from a place where one is unconditionally loved and accepted. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you and I. Verse 18 there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And, I, and if we bring maturation or maturity, it unlocks the verse for us. And whoever fears has, is not walking in mature love. And so as a believer, if we, if we fear judgment... We really haven't let the truth of imputed righteousness and all that that means, we haven't let it sink deep in our heart and we're in that place of always wondering, are, are we loved enough? Uh, does God love us enough to let us escape from his wrath? And the answer to that is yes, he does. Now, there's different ways that the word fear is used. Phobos here uh, is one way. Uh, fear in the sense of uh, Proverbs 1-7 uh, as having reverence for the Lord. But in here, the fear is that utter dread of calamity. And a believer knows that we're going to go before the beam of seat of Christ and give an answer for the things that we did in this world to receive what? To receive rewards. And so we're, we should be all in for that. Some of us are going to get more rewards than others. 
And so we should be zealous for good works. But when we go before the Lord, it's not going to be, it's not going to be his wrath that we receive. It's going to be the rewards for what we did in bringing glory to Christ and bringing honor to him. There's a great distinction between love and fear. Love woos us. Love pursues us. And fear repels and causes us to cower. And the greatest thing that we want to impart into our children is that, is that their love, because it draws them to us as their, as their parents or their grandparents or their uncles or aunties. Love does the same thing for us when we have a relationship that's with the Lord that's mature in love, is that it woos us, it calls us to the Lord. And even that when we go off the rails, we understand that we need him and we need his grace, and so we run to him. There's a great uh, verse in Hebrews chapter 4, if you'd come there with me, the difference between love and fear and what, and what love produces in the heart of, of a believer. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. We could begin in verse 14. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so we, we in our core of our being, we understand that Jesus has gone before us, perfect, but he totally gets it in our struggle. And what that love produces is the wooing love, a drawing love. And here's the result in the life of a This is what mature love produces in the life of a believer in verse 13. Not, uh, verse 14, let us then with confidence do what? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's no greater joy, I think, in a, in a father's heart when, when a, a child or a young adult or a teen um, recognizes that they've done wrong yet doesn't run from it. You know, I have two adult children now, and um, uh, a, a story from one of their lives, uh, he, he will go nameless this morning to protect his, his uh, anonymity. But uh, Tim, uh, <laughs> he, was a, he was in high school, and... Uh, they had flip phones in those days. I understand they still have flip phones today. It's an amazing thing. And I get this call around uh, 11 o'clock, 11.15 at night. And, uh, and uh, you know, you, can, you know who's calling and said, yes. <laughs> and you could, you could hear the tremble in the voice. And it's like, Dad, I, I messed up. And I won't tell you the details because I really will protect him. But love, love, love prompts 
a response. Love tells us that we need grace. Love tells us we need mercy. And when we have a mature love in our hearts, we run to God when we've sinned. And John tells us how to do that. It says in 1 John 1, 9 and 10, and chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, says we have an advocate. His name's Jesus. Then if we'll confess our sin, he'll forgive our sin. And he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, the devil doesn't want us running anywhere. He wants us to fear. But love, love, perfect love, casts out fear. You know, our young people today need that. They need to know that they're loved so that they can have a confidence. But our culture today is doing just the opposite. Our culture is fear-mongering. Our culture is, is placing in the hearts of our young people fear. Even in the midst of the pandemic we're going through, our country's been through much worse than this. The Church of Jesus Christ has been through much worse than this. The Church of Jesus Christ and other places in the world are going through tremendous difficulties and hardships and persecution. And what our young people need to know is that God is great, and God is good, and God is love, and that you can run to Him in the midst of any situation in your life. Why? Because that is truth, but that's also transformational in our young people's lives because they learn to live from a place of acceptance, and they learn to live from a place of groundedness in God, that God is good and sovereign, and He will see this through, and He will work His good out of it. And so we need to be careful with our young people during this difficult time that we don't place fear into their hearts in the midst of the craziness of our media, but that we plant in their hearts that God is good and mature love brings this confidence because of what Jesus has done. In verse 19, we love because he first loved us. It is God who takes the initiative in loving us. What an important principle to have embedded in our own heart is that he sought us out. That's why it's so important that as our young people grow and mature that we lead them to personal faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior so that they experience that, so that they know that God has sought them out and then have them, have them participate in adult baptism as an outward sign of that inward work. But God initiated his love for us. And the false teachers of John's day, well, they had it backwards. They felt that they initiated love towards God. They felt that it was there in their own volitional decision. It was, it was them that merited. It was them that attributed their love, human love, to God. And thus, they enjoyed privilege, spiritual privilege. But it's not that way at all is that God pursued us while we were yet sinners. God pursued us while we were yet powerless. And the last couple of verses this morning, we've seen them over and over again in 1 John. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. In this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, 
must also love his brother. This is, these are the great commandments and the golden rule. The greatest commandment is love God and love your neighbor. And the golden rule is treat other people, right? Treat other people like you would want to be treated. And that's our goal as a church. It's a simple one. People say, well, what's your mission statement? <laughs> I tell pastors all the time. Well, it's, it's really pretty simple. We're trying to love God. We're trying to love one another. Yeah, but what's your mission statement? I said, I've been working at this for 40 years, and I still haven't got that one totally squared away. And that's our mission in this life, is to, is to love God and to understand the work that Jesus Christ has done, that when we come to salvation, born again, when we're saved, our sin is imputed to Jesus. His righteousness is imputed to us. And out of that, out of that exchange, we have confidence and courage and the ability to love God and to love one another. When we impart that to our children, we impart a lifelong empowerment to be the best person this side of heaven because they operate from a place of being loved and accepted, and they have a resource to go to when they need forgiveness. They operate from a place of, of emotional security because they've felt and factually that they have been loved not only by their parents, but they have been loved from God. And they are God's children, His elect, His called ones on a mission to love God and to love people. Amen? Well, it's good to see all of your faces. Someday I'll see them without a mask on again. But it's good to thank you for joining us at home for worship this morning. And we're going to invite Natasha to come and close us out this morning. God bless you. And have a great day in the Lord.